A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode 138 of Good Humans Podcast with an Olympic gold medalist, world champion, world record holder previously, and Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Zach Stubblety Cook. This guy is an absolute legend, and you're going to love this episode. A big thank you to our sponsors, Drinker Rapper. These guys have been supporting my brain and so many of yours for a long time. If you want to learn more about their incredible brain drink, head over to drinkarepper.com. Use the code GOODHUMAN. You can get a 25% up everything over there. But most importantly, you can learn about the science. You can understand what their product is going to do for your brain. Short-term brain performance, basically think of it like an energy drink for your brain and also helps with long-term brain health. So go check the science out. Use that code GOODHUMAN and yeah, get around it. Also, if you want to learn more about the Good Human Factory, the mental health workshops I run with big corporate groups like McDonald's, Apple, Telstra, Amazon, Red Bull, We've worked some really, with some really big clients recently and would love to come and chat at your workplace or at your high school. You can find all that over on at thegoodhumanfactory.com. Also over there, you can find our merch, the What Are You Grateful For and Be Kind To Your Mind range are absolutely flying off the shelf. So if you use the code podcast, you need to be 25% off all of our merch as well. And if you see anybody in public wearing Good Human Factory merch, go up to them and ask them what they're grateful for. It's our little community challenge to make sure everyone gets involved and we start spreading those positive vibes around our community. Okay, into today's episode. Zach is a bloody legend. You guys are going to have such a good time listening to this episode. I've spoken to Zach over the last year or two just through socials. We've been having a really good time getting to know each other just virtually online. And then, yeah, we finally got the chance to catch up last year. Zach, or a couple of years ago now, Zach won gold in the Tokyo Olympics, which is just phenomenal the only male australian athlete to win a gold medal in the swimming at the tokyo olympics and it was australia's most successful ever olympics for swimming so to win the only gold medal is just crazy the girls were on fire and zach yeah took home a gold in the 200 meter breaststroke and he also took home a bronze in the um, mixed medley which crazy so so cool and yeah really love getting to have this chat if you enjoy the episode, do me a big favor, tell a friend about it, send it on, you can text it to them, you can share it on your social media. It really helps this podcast continue to grow and it's a really good way just to get Zach's story out there because he deserves to be heard by so many of you. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, go and hit that five-star rating, leave us a little review on Apple or Spotify or most importantly, just hit that subscribe button because there's so many great episodes to come out this year. We have some really exciting stuff coming up. And would love for you guys to check it out. Also, one last thing before the episode, go check out the last 1% podcast episode. Episode 100 was a really special episode where you can learn all about the 1% Good Club, Instagram accountability groups, giving 1% of their day to their mental health, 10 minutes of meditation, 4 minutes of gratitude. You can learn all about it on the last episode and hear a really special story from one of the group members. So go check that out. Would love you to let me know what you think of it. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Zach Stubble T. Cook. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast. How you going, my man? Very well, very well, thank you. And it's, it's I'm very grateful to be here, mate. I'm um I'm excited for this chat. We've kind of been connecting on socials for 
I guess the last 12 months, you said, I was, I couldn't remember how we first connected, but somebody post, I posted, who should I get on the podcast about a year ago? 2022. 2022, <laughs> longer ago, two years yeah, ago. Yeah. And somebody wrote you and I posted it and tagged you. Yeah. And ever since then, you followed me and we've been trying to make it happen. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah, We're finally we are. doing it. It was a beautiful day on the Gold Coast and finally here. I know. Thank you so much for driving down, by the way. Um, from the Brisbane, beautiful city of Brisbane, down to here on the Gold Coast. You said it was raining up there this morning and you've had um, a big morning of training in the pool. But, yeah. mate, your story is pretty spectacular. And for someone who's an Olympic gold medalist, a Commonwealth gold medalist, a world record, previous world record holder in um, the 200-meter breaststroke, it's an honor to sit here with you, but it is also, yeah, it's really exciting for me to get to know your story because I just love young Australian athletes taking the world on and, yeah, getting to the very top. So, mate, how are you going today? Yeah, really good. I mean, like at the moment, we're in pretty heavy training. We've uh, jumped back on that that Olympic train, I guess. Uh, I describe it as a bit of trying to jump on a moving train when you get back into training, but it's it's been a, a good ride and that motivation's really kicked in for Paris, so... Yeah. yeah, and Paris is coming up pretty bloody soon. I can't <laughs> wait. There's um, a lot of people that I'm friends with we're just talking about over a coffee, like all these different people who have been on the podcast and ambassadors for the Good Human Factory. So I'm looking forward to being glued to the TV and watching all <laughs> you guys this year, but it's going to be epic. But the first question I do always open Good Humans podcast with is, what are you grateful for in life right now, today? Uh, I'm grateful for the training I'm able to do. Um, the last 12 months haven't been the best, but I'm really grateful to be being able to train at 100% again. Mm, you've been plagued by a few injuries eh? <laughs> yeah a few here and there but hasn't slowed me down too much which is pretty fortunate um i've taken the rest where i need it been stubborn occasionally slash most of the time um and really pushed sometimes challenged the physios i guess to say like no i'm good to go um other times definitely been guided by them and the doctors to slow down it's so hard as an athlete hey you're saying you listen to india robinson's episode um on your drive down mm. and her concussions and having to kind of go against what the doctors thought because they said don't compete but then she went and won the event so like you must hear stories like that and be like it is so important to trust the professionals around you but you know yourself better than anyone if you can you know get through that training session get back in the pool and yeah get back to where you want to be after an injury it's, it's such a hard one sometimes yeah absolutely like i think it was a moment when she was saying the sports doc told her no i was like oh i saw a specialist and he said the same thing he was like oh you'll be right like just take painkillers but i was like look i can deal with like pain for four weeks five weeks whatever but like chronic pain is a whole other thing to fuck around mm. with like i was like so my sports doctor and I have been managing it for like, you know, three weeks at that point and saw him and it was like, oh, you're fine. It's like, man, like, I don't feel fine. <laughs> it still hurts. Like, so, you know, I left the same feeling, like, as she said, like frustrated mm. and just like angry and just being like, well, the fuck have I been doing? I've wasted a week and like now I'm mm. going overseas again to, to compete or am I not? Like, what are we doing? And like. And it didn't help. There was kind of a breakdown of communication. Like ultimately that's what it was. And like I, I was lucky. I really just was quite stubborn. I was like, what is happening? We need to work this out like today. Yeah. And, you know, I'm lucky that it's a team that listen. Um, but like, yeah, I <laughs> related so much to that. I was like, oh, I know exactly how that feels. Yeah, you can learn so much just listening to it, even if it's like a completely different sport we go through similar patterns of things and different ways that we have to deal with stuff. You can learn so much from different people. I love that about the podcast is hearing a completely different sport 
going through a similar challenge, whether it be mentally or physically, it kind of all crosses over quite often, mm. which is um yeah, super interesting. But man, we've got a lot to get through today. <laughs> You've got um, as we said, gold medal in the Olympics in Tokyo, absolutely phenomenal. The only male in the pool to win a gold medal, which is just spectacular. So I can't wait to catch up to that, but we need to get to know the story first. How the hell did you get there? So <laughs> let's go back to the start. Tell me about your upbringing. Let's talk up until you're in high school, what life was like as a kid, what sort of values you lived by, where you grew up, siblings. What do I need to know about kind of <laughs> your upbringing that might help me understand what got you to the way you are today? I think like the biggest thing was like the biggest one, number one thing when I reflect on that part of my life was like, and something I want to bring into my own kids one day is like, opportunity that was like that's how i would sum it up being like mum and dad always provided us kids with whatever we wanted to do they'd try and make it happen and that was purely whether it was swimming like any sort of sport school etc like it was like you know i wanted to play water polo okay we'll go work it out we want to go play soccer we'll work it out like i think it wasn't a no but it was always an encouragement and work it out yourself um and that's probably why i think of it as like opportunity but in terms of swimming like I used to hate the water, like, <laughs> believe it or not, like, people will go, oh, you must, like, used to be a water baby and stuff. I'm like, nah, like, you know, I was, like, scared of the water, like, didn't really, like, I grew up swimming and mum always took me to learn to swim because, you know, we live in Australia and we love the beach, like, you got to. Um, but I hated the pool and I probably up until I was, like, nine or maybe a little bit younger, like, seven or eight and did, like, as you start to get that age, you know, your kindy friends and then your school friends start to like go to swim club. And then like um, one of the people actually who suggested me coming on, like us connecting, I swam with at that age. So like it was always those friendships that brought me into swimming. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the half lap was the first time I like built up the courage to do swim club. And like I, I closed my eyes and hit the wall at the other end and ended up doing a full lap and was like, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> And then like kind of, you know, the rest is a little bit of history, I guess, of like, you know, I went to Perth for my first ever nationals when I was nine years old. Wow, and like, you're nine for nationals. Yeah, like that was national school nationals at that time. So you picked it up pretty early. Primary school, you were already making the state team and going, where'd yeah. you grow up? Uh, Brizzy. So I've okay. grown up in Brizzy and lived in Brizzy my whole life on the Amazing. south side of Brizzy. And yeah, like I've, I've always loved it. And like people go, oh, why do you love Brisbane? Like. I don't know. It's like something about it. It's just like it's an easy city. Like mm. it's not Sydney or Melbourne where it's like, uh, oh, like I'll stay to the South Melbourne or I'll, I'll stay at Bondi. Like it's a city where you, you do travel a bit around and are willing to do that. Um, yeah, but. So nine years old, first Australian titles, school titles. It's funny where I'm here at my place on the Gold Coast and my cousin <laughs> and my aunt here up from Sydney and you came over when you first got here and you had your gold medal from the Olympics to show me. And my, I was like, oh, you're coming next door to my cousins. <laughs> and she was telling us about like, oh, yeah, um, Hunter made it to zone but can't quite make it to regionals. I always remember those kids at school that would have patches all over them because yeah. they'd have like win everything. Were you that kid with these patches all over your just, uniform? Just swimming-wise, swimming yeah, wise. but not like not in any other sport. I think I'm very much specialised in swimming. From the was beginning. it always breaststroke? Uh early on and then it transitioned into everything and then it focused back back. so like yeah like when i was nine we flew to perth for a 40 second race like (laughs) which seems like ridiculous now that i think about it as like 
like what was mum thinking? <laughs> like, no, like you, opportunity. Yeah, you it's opportunity, opportunity and support like for sure. But like you know, I was like, man, how lucky was I like to do that? Like I wouldn't be, I may not have swum if that was the case. Like you know, so yeah. Wow. So let's move to high school now. You're obviously starting to get pretty into your swimming if you're already making national titles at nine, ten, eleven, coming out of primary school. What was high school like for you? What was um that experience like? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to go to a school that supported the swimming and and wanted me to swim and brought me on for swimming. Um, so I was lucky to get a scholarship to a nice school in Brisbane. And I don't think I would be swimming today without that school. Um, if I'm honest, like they school gave me Churchy, so they gave me the opportunity to swim and focus on that. And like you know, I was lucky that everything was there. So I'd, you know, mum would drop me off at five o'clock in the morning and pick me up at seven p.m. Wow. and like that was kind of the routine for five years when I was there. and Wow. So that was what school looked like for you, getting yeah. dropped off at that at a pool at school. Yeah. Five till 730, yeah. 7, 8 in the pool, school for the day, back to the pool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, I'm very grateful for that part of my life. But I guess in terms of swimming, like in the beginning, I was really motivated, new school, new coach, new program and like absolutely over the moon. And then kind of like, probably got a little bit slack in the training and too reliant on the talent yeah um which ultimately led to like me not performing how i wanted to so 14 we had a a first ever like junior national team that i was invited to and the guy i've been racing and still race um since i've been nine years old matt wilson from sydney like and we still race we raced the olympics together which was unbelievable but like he beat me for the first time and like for me i was like wake up call yeah it was a big wake up call and you know that like and then having a little injury in 2015 so you know a year and a half after that when i was starting to get really motivated yeah kind of was a point or one of the turning points in swimming and like very young to have that turning point but like whether I wanted to continue swimming because like, you know, you have your mates or like, you know, I want to go be a doctor. I want to be yeah. a lawyer. And you're like, I want to swim. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to keep swimming? Cause yeah. it's, it's such an interesting thing being a young professional athlete. We were talking about this as well on the walk to go and a coffee before it's such like a shiny thing to chase, but then you kind of forget that quite really 99% of people that pursue an athletic career don't make it to, mm anywhere let alone to winning an olympic gold medal so it's crazy to think that you had that thought process when you're 15 16 Mm. years old is this really my future what made you go you know what okay i gotta stick at this i think like so at that same time like i found they'd found a tumor in my shoulder a benign tumor that we just had to cut out but it put me out of the water for you know three months um and at that time i was deciding on whether to extend my schooling for another year to focus on swimming whilst balancing school and i was like i had i don't i don't know what it was but i had this inkling to be like well it's only another year and it doesn't matter and i kind of said to myself as well like and i i don't remember this but i went back to the school a couple of years ago and one teacher said to me she said oh you know you put a date on yourself you said if i'm not on the senior national team by the time you're 21 then that's it and i was like wow i who was I like at school? Like, I don't even remember saying that, but like it kind of like all worked out to like that kind of timeline anyway. And I kind of look back and I know I was thinking in the frame of, you know, 
I guess if I don't make it, it's only another year of my life and yeah. I want to put my best foot forward because you're only young once. Mm-hmm. And I think I was very lucky that I had some older people around me kind of guiding me through that and some really great mentors at that point in time helping me through all that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was just quite driven and quite stubborn as well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about getting towards the end of school. What does it look like if you want to chase being a professional swimmer? What does that next chapter look like for you? Say you finished school. Did you finish school? And yeah, do your yeah. HSC or whatever it's called or yeah. ATAR. What did you think like straight after school was going to look like? What is that next step for a professional swimmer? Were you going to like youth Olympics? Were you going yeah. to youth world titles at this time? Were you already on your way to becoming like you're the fastest of all time at one stage to swim a 200 meter breaststroke, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> so how, um, yeah, how good were you at the end of school and how far away is that Olympic dream from the end of school, say from 18? Yeah. So 18, I was still at school about to finish yeah um at that time i'd moved programs so i'd moved from the school program to kind of a professional group so i was like with jack mclaughlin uh uh, jess ashwood and then there was a couple of other guys who like jack and jess who jess had been a bronze medalist at the world champs so like and jack was like nudging on that door and then like he had a really successful 2018 com game so like i saw some of the best in the world and like had moved into that program and my year 12 I was away for like 10 or 12 weeks of like you know a 30 week year so like it wasn't really viable not to do a three-year senior if I wanted to pursue that and have the commitment to that yeah and I guess I was at the world juniors that year um so 2017 and I was bronze in 2017 at world juniors um and you know, like I learned a lot from that and then it was a full commitment to that while studying as well. Like I knew that I wanted something to fall back on if it didn't work out. Like I'm as much as optimist as, much as I am a pessimist. Like yeah. I'm very much a, you know, okay, that's all good and well, but like what happens if this yeah. happens? Like very much love that scenario planning of like X, Y, Z and we'll look at best case, but it's pretty likely it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's ultimately probably the the attitude I took in and 2018 the year after like I'd fully committed to swimming was studying part-time at uni yeah okay so you finish school and then you go straight into a university course yeah let's talk about that real quickly because I Mm. want to make everything mostly about swimming here but I think it's really important for young athletes who might listen to this other swimmers who might listen to this to have something to fall back on. It was something mm. that I was always, my parents were like, you got to finish school. Like, I could have dropped out and just started surfing from year mm. 10. I was getting paid already. But my parents are always like, it's only two years of your life. Like you were kind of saying, they're like, you're not going to get them back to finish school. Just mm. do it. And I'm so glad I did. Are you glad you got all the way to the end? Absolutely. I think like I've always taken the approach of like you're a person first before you're an athlete. Yeah. And like ultimately your athletic career might last till you're 35 if you're absolutely like yes in the point one percent yeah the point one percent of the one percent right like um but for me like you know it might last some 30 so what are you going to do for the next 50 years yeah like you if you're not finishing school or not having a backup plan or not having some sort of you know personal brand whether that's speaking etc like if you're not having something to fall back on at 30 like you're starting from the bottom at 30 again yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild so what are you studying so you went straight after school into studying um 
Yeah, what are you studying? I was studying biomed at that point because I thought I'd do neurology, but <laughs> that kind of fell apart pretty quick because I love like the brain and like how much impact we can actually have on it and mm-hmm. that we're still learning yeah, so much. It's fascinating, hey? Uh, wild. And like now they've discovered that new part of the brain that's like directly linked to willpower and like it grows and shrinks based on whether you do hard things. Like huh. um, I was listening to a Huberman podcast on the weekend. Mises and stuff. Yeah. And like he was talking to Goggins about like, and he was like, yeah, we should just name it the Goggins effect. Like mm-hmm. this do hard things thing and like, it's very interesting that like we're still even learning so that's what i wanted to do um and then after that like it didn't really fit with swimming it didn't really fit with me mm-hmm. so then i moved into like a business a little bit more generic and dual Gives the options post yeah, a bit more exactly and and i did a bit of psych as well so i was doing a business psych degree for up until last year and then so you just kind of like you're 25 now yeah so you've kind of just been doing everything obviously a little bit slow because you're yeah. full-time <laughs> swimming part-time yeah. uni um how has the juggle been I and mean, who do you do it with? I saw you have like a beer, like a partner with Monash or something. Griffith. Griffith. Yeah. So Griffith, um, I've been lucky, like they've looked after me from day one. Like it's amazing. To be fair, like they have two Olympic gold medalists running a sports college, so <laughs> they understand. Um <laughs> the commitment it takes. Yeah, yeah. Like Duncan and Naomi have looked after me from day one. So for me, they've been very understanding and easy to work with. Cool. Um, and I've been lucky now that they're partnered with Swimming Australia. So like, you know, it's I've just like been like, yep. This is cool. Like, yeah. So from there, like I've always had something ticking over in the background. It's good to have your mind not fault, like completely focused yeah. on swimming because that's how you get burnout so easy oh. when it's just like everything. And then it makes the lows even lower because it's like, oh my God, I got nothing else. Whereas yeah. like you said, human first, athlete second. Yeah. so important. Let's keep going with swimming now. So you finish school, you're studying. What does it look like for the journey? Because there is some people who are 18, 19 that make it to the Olympics. How close were you to being able to make it to um, Rio? 20- oh, no, that's a bit... Rio, yeah. Rio, Rio 2016 was the first time I went to an open like nationals. Swim meet, wow. Yeah, so, and I was, I think I was 12th in the two breast. Yeah. Um, so like nowhere near. So you had a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was a 216 swimmer now, uh, then and now I'm... A to a five but you shaved 11 so <laughs> yeah that's yeah so but up until 2021 no 2020 uh, 2018 i was, went to a seven okay wow so you picked up the pace in that two years what changed in your train so you got 11th in the open meet to go to rio four years later you're the world record holder the olympic um mm. <clears throat> gold medalist Let's talk about that period. What if something accelerated, something happened? What, what was the magic thing? I think like shifting coaches and then seeing some of the best in the world and seeing what it actually takes. Yeah. Like for me, that was the biggest difference. And just like you move from a mindset of like a not mature athlete to a mature athlete where it's like, it's not whether you can do it, it's how. Like it's it's not, oh, I might do that. No, it's like I, I will do that and like I'll get it done. Yeah, wow. I think that's the mindset you really shift to and you shift to like something that is all-consuming and something that runs your life but like you need to have, you learn to have that balance Mm. as well because as you just said, like it's a dangerous game dipping your toes in like in that sense. Um, So yeah, like that shift is a lot to do with that and in 2018, I went to the Commonwealth Games and I was a 210 swimmer and I swam a 215 in the heat. 
like dog shit. I had probably like the worst swim I'd had in maybe three or four years. And talk me through that. What is it like for someone who's out there listening right now? Like obviously two ten means you swam it in two ten yeah. before, but then you swam it in two fifteen. What's like? Is it you're going out too hard and you die towards the end? It's like because there's so many like intricacies swimming a race that's that's that long, like two hundred four laps of the pool. It's so much strategy, I'm guessing, that mm. goes into that and knowing when to push and when to kind of sit in someone's um, wake. Like, yeah, talk me through what happened in that race to yeah not have a good race in. Where was 2018? Comedy Games was here. I was here. Gold busy. Coast. Gold Coast. Gold yeah. Coast. Gold Coast. Yeah, right. the Southport Pool. So, yeah, like that race was the first time I was at Open International Meet. And, like, if I'm honest, my race plan is typically, like, You'd follow a race plan, you follow a process. And ultimately, like, that meet was, like, I was starstruck, overwhelmed. Like, you name it, I was feeling it. I probably didn't switch off for, like, two weeks. Like, it was it was an interesting time because it was, like, you look up to people like, you know, Mac, Kyle, those kind of guys. And, and like, for example, like, Cam, I was rooming with Cam. Maggie like McAvoy. Yeah. And James Magison. Like All the I was rooming with Mac and you're like I'm around my heroes. You're like And it's your first international date. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you're like are. and then you walk out for the race and there's ten thousand Aussies like screaming and you're like, Oh my god, like what the fuck? What time won the gold in that com game? Two oh eight, like three, I think. Okay. So you're like if you swam your two ten at your best, you could have medaled there or maybe uh, just probably would have been like fourth, yeah. Okay. But yeah, like, so after that, I knew I could have done better and I kind of fell into this really negative space and was diagnosed with depression and that's probably the biggest shift I've had, like, uh, worked with the same psych since then Yeah, and we've worked really well together and, like, gelled really well together to the point now where, like, he'll come into the gym and be like, what's up? And you'll be like, oh, fuck, like, <laughs> I'm caught out. But, like, three months after that, the work we did, we were seeing each other weekly. Mm-hmm. And the work we did together, like I swam 207 two, three months later. Wow. So like it was- all up here, eh? Yeah. It was purely mental. Like, Yeah. Tell, tell me about that if you want to go into it a little bit. But mm. after seeing the psych, what was kind of the core or like what was the root? Because I know, for, for instance, when I started seeing my psych um, and telling him probably very similar age, 21, 22, about myself kind of struggling. I was never diagnosed with depression, but- I was just kind of telling him how I felt. And for me, it came back to this idea that my whole identity was Cooper, the pro surfer, where my results were doing really well. I felt good. And when I was doing poorly, I felt really shit. Similar to you? Or what, Absolutely. Is, is like, that a it, lot of it? Like, oh, I didn't reach my goal in the thing. I like everyone thinks shit of me, but. Yeah, it's absolutely that. And it's like this, I got this identity caught up with mm-hmm. not feeling good enough ever. Yeah. Like it was never good enough even if it was doing my best, like it was this vicious cycle of having a crap training session and like Thinking during a bad person because of it. Oh, exactly. And like during that time, I like still have sessions. Where I'm like, I'm, I don't really want to do that because it's like, that was during that really dark period. Like I like was so negative on myself where I'd get to the pool anxious and then have a panic attack in the water and be like, I don't want to do this. And like, for me, getting through that has shown me like it is po- like anything's possible. And but like it, it was all tied back to this like 
stupid belief like that you weren't good enough for some odd reason and mm. whether we like it or not our brain sometimes tells tricks plays tricks on us yeah. and like and like your first international meet you start saying like oh i just am not a good at international swimmer yeah. it's like oh the stories we tell ourselves are just so toxic sometimes yeah yeah wild so what was he saying to you that kind of helped you in that three months because obviously you've swum your fastest ever three months after having maybe one of your worst meets probably looking back mm. what was some of the stuff that he was t- taking you through because i'm sure there's someone listening right now who is in that pretty victim mindset, in that mm. det- in that yeah destructive mind right now, what were some of the helpful things that you got told to help you with your mental health through that dark time? I think like we moved away from an outcome focus and purely to well, one the simplest thing was the controllable, yeah, and like what can you control and what are you gonna do to help yourself um, first and foremost, and like for me, that was like. Um, I got back into a bit more photography and taking photos and enjoying that journey a bit more and being like, how fucking cool is this? Like I'm representing the country. Um, and then I think the other piece was like what, like learning where the hooks are. So mm. like for me, like it was that. Like oh, catching yourself. It's yeah. that self-awareness. Yeah. So it was absolutely that was like, yeah. Like, and I still do it today like with different things because like different things frustrate me for yeah. sure now. But like watching for those hooks, watching for those, like, what do I need? Uh, like, And I think it's probably progressed still to this day and I'm still learning about it. But today now it's like, it's more about uh, what do I emotionally need than physically? Like physically is taken mm. care of most of the time. It's the controllables. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's like now it's all about, okay, am I emotionally getting um, joy out of what I'm doing? Like, is this person going to give me that? Mm. And being like, no. So why am I asking them for it? Yeah. Um, and I think that ultimately like helped me mature as an athlete. Yeah. And yeah, like back then, yeah, I was a young 18 year old ready to conquer the world and <laughs> wanted to do it all. And I can still remember like we had to retrial for that meet because I swam, didn't swim as well. Like I didn't swim well enough to be qualifying for Pampax. And so 2018 Com Games didn't swim well enough to qualify for Pampax three months later which is like another international meet yeah it's like so if you were putting it on a hierarchy you put olympics world champs Pampax, com games wow okay so there's them bigger than com games uh in your in like certain events because it's international whereas com games is only in the commonwealth obviously yeah and com games like well because Pampax includes america yeah it adds yeah yeah yeah. it's a different game Yeah, yeah absolutely um so yeah like for yeah like uh, and then, so I had to requalify, but I can distinctly remember like ticking every box and the feeling I had before, and I've never had it maybe once after that, but like the feeling I had behind the blocks at that Pampak trials, I was like, no one's getting in my fucking way. Like uh, this is happening. Is, yeah. It was like, it wasn't confidence in the sense of like, I'm the best in the world. Like I'm going to rip it into this. It was like, I believe in myself. Like yeah. it was the complete opposite of what I was like at Com Games mm-hmm. and it took a lot to get there, but yeah, yeah. like I probably never felt like that since. Yeah, well, but like, how'd you go in that and then qualifying? The qualifying that's when I swam two hundred eight. So I was like, that was the first time I broke two ten, um, which is a big milestone Absolutely. in um, two hundred breast. So like, yeah, that's a big step. And then yeah, a couple of weeks later it was two hundred seven. Wow! So you qualify for that. Let's fast forward. What did you do? A world champs before. You won a world champs before the Olympics, eh? No, no. no. So I was fourth. The Olympics, your first ever international first. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was fourth. Uh, <laughs> you hit it the right one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Got to peak, peak the peaks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was fourth in 2019 in the world, world champs. Yeah. So okay. behind an Aussie, a Russian. And a Japanese guy. Sounds like the start of a jag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the qualification now for the Olympics. So you got fourth in the world in the world champs. Mm-hmm. It's got to hurt not getting a medal there, but also shows you, okay, I'm obviously trajecting in the right way. I had the shocker in the comm games. How'd you go in that Pam Pack games? I was second to that. Okay. So that's yeah. a... It was the first time I beat Matt Wilson, the Aussie. Okay. So it was the first... So the guy I grew up with racing, it was the first time I'd beaten him, beaten him in four and a half years. Wow. So it was like I'd prove to myself I can be the best Aussie because like, yeah, yeah. he was ruling the pool since the Rio trials. Yeah. And for breaststroke. And it was the first time I'd been like, no, nah, like this is my time to rip in. So, yeah. and then like a year later, he beat me, but you know. <laughs> a year later. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So now let's talk about you get fourth in the world, 2019, 2020 is coming around, an Olympic year. Mm hmm. 2020 is a bit of a weird year. So let's talk about what qualification looks like for you to make the Olympic team mm-hmm. and then the speed bumps that did come into your way for Tokyo because I know obviously everything got pushed back a year. So what was that like for you? Uh, yeah, so like uh, 2019, you get fourth in the world and I'm like, we're in the right spot because like I'm low profile. Like, Can only be an underdog once. Yeah, low profile, I'm training r- like the right direction. We're moving well. All of those things are going well and like 2020, probably really hungry, like excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the Olympics. Like this mm. is really cool. And our qualification looks like we have a meet, our trial meet five to six weeks before the major meet. So for Paris this year, it's June and the Olympics is July, wow. um, end of July. So, you know, it is quite tight um, and you have to be, to qualify for the two breasts, you have to be in the top eight in the world from the based on the last year's times or the last major meets times. So for us next year, it's a two oh eight eight ish, and that's the qualification as simple as that. And then like you can qualify via relays, but you have to be within certain times. And as I was saying to you before, like if you're taken as a relay swimmer, you have to swim like. So even if you go, they've made all these new rules um, that, yeah, you have to swim. So So only eight people can qualify for the 200 meter. No. So eight plus the relay. So like eight are guaranteed. So if you're the, so top eight in the world is the time and then top two in Australia go. Yeah. Wow. Based on that top eight time. But if you're outside that top eight and there's only one of you. Yeah. You'll go. So like, um, yeah. So if there's two of you close to that top eight time. You'll go. No, no one will go. Oh, no one will go. So, so for example, not inside the top eight, you don't make it if no yeah. one from your country goes. Yeah. So, for example, um, there would have been the men's two I oh the men's yeah the men's two I am um in Tokyo we had an Aussie race it or two Aussies race it but no one qualified for it so those two boys were two uh, four I am swimmers uh-huh. the four hundred I am swimmers and they because they were there. And they had a FINA Ray qualifying time, yeah. so the governing body's qualifying time. Uh-huh. They're allowed to swim. But, like, according to our qualifying criteria, they weren't selected on a 200 oh, IM time. Okay, interesting. It's, it's really There's a lot of politics. Yeah, Let's yeah. skip the politics now and talk about you qualifying for Tokyo. What did that look like? Yeah, so our qualification. So I should tell you the story about, like, tell the COVID one. Yeah. That was... Because you qualified, but then it got ripped away and said, actually, we're going to have to get you to re-qualify next year. No, nah, so we we were in full prep, like full go mode for Tokyo. Yeah. 
trials. Yeah. And I think it was March-ish. Yeah, March had happened. Yeah. And we were swimming in the morning at Chandler and our coach told us, oh, they've closed the complex. So there was like one lifeguard left that everyone, all the public swimmers were out. And we was like, oh, we'll finish off the session. Like they're not going to cancel anything. They just, it'll, it'll be all right. Like full denial. And anyway, he's like, we'll find somewhere to swim that afternoon slash tomorrow morning. He texted us at like 10 a.m. saying, can't find anywhere to swim. Everyone's closed the pools. Um, I'll find somewhere for the morning. Train yourself this afternoon. So all of us go for a swim. Like I go to a local pool at Centenary and I remember getting out and having like four text messages from a bunch of people and then an email. And the email was like, Swimming Australia, important. And I was like, oh, cool. Open it. And they're like, oh, ScoMo is now announced or Scott Morrison has now announced that we will no longer send an Australian team to the Olympics. And we're like, oh, fuck, like, cool. So like at that point, the Olympics hadn't been delayed yet. Yeah, but yeah. we were kind of like paused on training. And then everything kind of over the next two days kind of shut down. Everyone pulled out of the Olympics. Yeah. The so, Olympics got postponed. Yeah. And then the Olympics got postponed, which to be honest, like in hindsight was an absolute blessing for me. Like gave me a whole other year of maturity as an mm-hmm. athlete. Because I think like in my psych and I, we've spoken about this a lot, being like we both believe that if I raced in 2020, I wouldn't have had the result I had. Wow. Purely because I was like I was falling into that same – mindset of like 2018 of like not being good enough or like tying uh results to like personality yeah Yeah. so yeah like it wasn't a good it was a good thing in hindsight but Mm. like at the time it hurt yeah i bet it hurts because you spend years trying to train for this olympic and then you get told oh we're not going it's like oh my god another Mm. four years maybe yeah so then through 2020 you're still obviously finding ways to train yeah still swimming somewhere yeah so i was swimming at like one of my mates places he just had a pool and like tied a rope to the fence and just was swimming like stationary for like half an hour a day just to keep the feel of the water um and then doing a lot of gym work and i like mac and mac horton and jack mclaughlin like we did a lot of swift sessions together like on the bike like we'd all be virtually logging at like 5 a.m and just like sit on the bike for three hours together and it was like we kind of made the most of what we had yeah. and I think I can still remember it was like weird we'd do gym sessions together like our squad virtually virtually and you're like it feels so weird thinking back to the time like a couple of years ago it just like it's like we actually did all that stuff yeah like quarantine when you explain oh, quarantine yeah. to someone you're like well, we're gonna catch up to that because you had a beautiful quarantine because you sat there with two medals around <laughs> your neck <laughs> a bit better than some other people yeah a bit better than the guy who came forth yeah so let's talk about now, fast forward past 2020, 2021. All right, Olympics are on this year. COVID's settling down a little bit. Yeah. What um yeah, what was qualification like for you? And yeah. Finding out you're going to the Olympics for the first time. Tell me about that email or message or finishing a race. It meant that you got that Olympic swimming cap. Yeah, so I won the 100 breast that year. So like that kind of not pre-qualified me, but put me in number one spot for the relay. Yeah. And then the 200 breast was a couple of days later. And that was like my pet event. The 100 was like a bonus. So yeah. I was lucky that I was like, it took a little bit of pressure off that 200 breast. So and because the- you did that, you kind of qualified to go to the Olympics for the 100 meter breast in the relay. Yeah. 
So no matter what, you get to go. And then unless somebody swims under the 210, you'd still probably get the spot yeah. in the 200 breast because you're there yeah. and could swim it. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, pressure off. so absolutely took that pressure off. And then I was swimming really freely that year. Like, like I'd swum a 207 in season. Like I'd swum a PB in season, like under full training. I was like really confident in my process, really confident in the way I was swimming and swimming really openly and freely like mentally mm. not just physically and like really in control of the stroke because um, sometimes breaststroke is one of those fiddly strokes where you like you try harder and you go slower mm. um i guess like any sort of it's like in the golf ball yeah exactly the same you like <laughs> <laughs> terrible um but yeah like so you, you qualify and then you kind of get an interview and you're like Fuck, did that just happen and then I think the moment where it really hits you is when the team gets announced and your name gets called and you shake hands with like the head of the AOC and like Dawn Fraser, for example, and you're like, fuck, like I'm an Olympian. Yeah. And then I think the next time it really, like you kind of then go back and get a bit of reality check that you have, you have to go straight back into training. (laughs) But I think the next time it kind of hit was like when we dressed up in our opening ceremony uniform and had like, a couple of older athletes speak to us as well as some guests and then got that letter. We get a letter from a former Olympian, a former Olympic swimmer, and it kind of like congratulates you. And then give some words of wisdom. Yeah. And then like, that's probably when it like really hits you and you're like, fuck, like this is really cool. And then, and now I'm going to get to write one of these letters yeah. in 20 years to one of the kids. Like, yeah. It's so cool, man. Yeah. Like to be an Olympian is like such a dream for, so many young athletes and mm. to yeah get that opportunity is so special but then to maximize on the opportunity and bring a gold medal home i can't wait to talk to you through the story <laughs> for a little bit so what did it feel like when you got that box delivered to your house and you know inside that box is like all your olympic gear is that like the best delivery you've ever yeah got? we we got did it you get it given to you in like a big bag yeah we got it when we got to the village it was in Oh, so it's already there when you get. I thought you'd get, yeah. but don't you have to fly over wearing your Olympic stuff? Yeah, so we got given, I think, like two t shirts <laughs> and a pair of shorts, <laughs> and then got like told you have to wear this on the the deck, like I guess uh-huh. the tarmac onto the plane, and that was it. Okay. <laughs> we all got changed, but like, and then off the plane, you'll have to wear it as well. But um, yeah, like I think this is a little bit different in that sense that. Because of COVID, it was so different, this 2021 Olympics, because you didn't get crowds or anything. So let's talk about touching down in Tokyo. What does it look like? (laughs) Obviously, swimming's at the start of the event too. No opening ceremony. Was there no opening ceremony at all in Tokyo or just not? I think there was, was, yeah. Just not for swimmers because you guys start. Yeah, we start because Kate Campbell was the flag bearer. Yeah. So she went and, like, it is a long day. Like, you go the day before and it's, like, they leave at, like, 2 in the afternoon and get home at, like, midnight. Oof. So, it's, like, a big day to do it. And she wasn't swimming for the first couple of days, so she had the time to recover. But most of us were swimming day one, day two. Yeah. So, I didn't go, but and majority of the team didn't go. And, you know, but when you get to the village, it's, like, nothing else. It's, like, you all, like... It's it's beyond like your like it is part of like you have this pride in your country, like that's a given. But I think what I felt when I got to the village was like this sense of like and I saw it written. I think it was like another team's. Um, it was one team, one dream, and you're like that is so true because everyone here dreamt of being at the Olympics, and now everyone is living that dream. Like how lucky is you know the ten thousand athletes that are there. Mm. 
And I think everyone's really happy and bubbly in that village. And you go to the dining hall and you see like, you know, NBA players and you're like, where the fuck am I? Like, yeah. It's a strange place in that sense. Um, I think like it was a little bit clouded by COVID. Like, yeah. you know, we walked into the dining hall, put on gloves and had um, oh, pers- perspex cleans, uh, screens between us all. And like, yeah, so that was a little bit of a downer. But yeah. yeah, I think ultimately like the buzz couldn't be denied. Yeah. But I think like 2018, that experience like learnt me to learn gave me the opportunity to learn how to deal with that because like yeah that's you, what i was gonna say because you kind of got pretty overwhelmed it seems like in your first com games yeah. and you obviously didn't let it get to you at this next one like i'm excited once we get to race day like what was going through your head that's different what maturity you feel like you took mm. into it that was different to the other one so yeah tell me about what were you first day of the olympics yeah so i was day one was the hundred breast um how'd that go yeah, well, I can. I'll yeah. I'll tell you about the camp beforehand. Camp. So, because you'd find this interesting, and like I've written in the book, like there's a photo of me having a scan. Um, so we got rushed off. Um, for so when we were flying to, we were always going to go to Cairns, but we got to, we got it was about to lock down Brisbane, and we were like, you can get on the charter flight from Brisbane, you but you'd have to train by yourself, quarantined. Because you have to quarantine for two weeks before you flew into the Olympic Village. Yeah. So you weren't allowed contact with anyone but your team. Um, so, or inside the bubble, as like mm. we saw in the NRL and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, and because of that, we missed our Monday night, which is a key session for that for the week. And it's like one of the three key sessions, and so we ended up putting it on Tuesday. So we got like rushed off. We got called at 1.30 and we're on a flight at 4 p.m. Wow. It was like, you you need to get out of here. Like we're about Before to lock Brisbane down. Brisbane locks down and you yeah. get star. Yeah. So, and Brisbane locked down the next day. So we're very grateful we, we got, got out. But that ended up causing like a domino effect of like, oh, we'll just keep training really hard and like make up those sessions. And we did make up those sessions. And ultimately, I think it's probably what led to me having a tear in my groin. So like breaststroke, your groin is like one of the things that it, it's always stressed, but <laughs> the worst time for it to happen is like right for a meet because like you can't kick properly, you can't load it. Yeah. yeah. So I, it was th- two and a half weeks before the Olympics and like the head noise that was there was like unbelievable because it was like, and I just said to the coach, like, I do not want it scanned. Like, I don't want to know, like. I'm happy to limp my way through this. Yeah. Like do not want to know because like if I know that there's something wrong and I'm going to cause more damage, like I'm going to carry that through the heat, the semi and the final. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to have that little voice in regardless of like how headstrong you are. And ultimately like we did get a scan against my will, but, and then we found that like there was a tear and it had healed pretty much. But, like, you know, that shrouded that whole Olympics. But, like, it, it made me have to think about the process that yeah. much more and be like, you've done the work. Like, this yeah. is the polish. And once we got to the village, it kind of, like, all kind of rolled into place. But yeah. going into that day one, like, bring it back to that day one, like, I swam, like, what I believed not as well as I wanted. Yeah. And then that head noise all started again just to be like, well, fuck, like, is it because I haven't swum breaststroke for 
two weeks. Um, you know, like, is it, have I missed my timing? Have I like, you know, you, you start to question, question everything. Like, oh, is it because I'm at an international meet? It's my first Olympics. Is yeah. it the pressure? Is it the, yeah. the questions just start coming. So you did that first heat. Do you not make it to the semis in the hundred? No. Okay. No semi, no final. So that was it for that till my two breast. And I was like, you know, left for four days to be like, you know, you have to refresh, get better, um, hit a little bit of work so you can feel that load again and hit more that 200 stuff. And then, you know, like the two breasts, that heat, I was so nervous because of that 100 breasts. I was like, fuck, like this could be it. This could be like, because all we spoke about for the three years prior was like to swim your best race in the Olympic final, that's all you can ask. Yeah. And like whether you win or lose, you'd be happy with that. Yeah. And that's why I was the most nervous because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to go. Like, like I swam average and now I'm like, fuck, like, do it. Like, is this going to happen again? Mm. And I'm going to miss it again. Is it going to be Com Games all over again? Yeah, wow. So... You know, that was the most nervous I'd been. And, like, I got through the heat first. And I was like, oh, this is this is fun. Like, yeah. now it's, like, about enjoying this moment. Yeah. And, like, the semi was that that next morning because um, we had flipped. So, normally we're morning uh, morning heats, finals at night. Yeah. But because of the scheduling was a bit yeah. weird in Tokyo. Yeah, it was the opposite. So, like, 10 a.m. was a, the finals. So, semi-final um i was lucky i was in because i was qualified first i was semi-final two so you get to watch, watch the first know the times that you need to get to get the best lanes yeah hard to push yeah so like i was lucky that you know i was in full control of myself and like in that race as well because i knew other people were going to pace off me yeah um because at the time like i was going in like overall like based on historical data i was going in second overall yeah. um and first based on like the last 12 months. Yeah. So. So you're in form. Yeah. I was ready to go. And like that semi is probably one of my favorite races, but the final, like. Did you do the semi and the final on the same day? No. Nah, so the, day yeah, you get a full 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you. So you win your semi. Yeah. In the best lane for the final. Yeah. Lane four for the final. So I was coming out last. So like, yeah. When you get called out, oh, you see. come out last. Yeah. How's that feel getting called out for Olympic final? Zach's double eighty uh, cook. It's interesting. I mean, like hard though because there's no crowds too. Like, what an interesting mm. yeah event. I mean, I was lucky. Some of the team was finished, yeah. so like we had some of the team in the cool. in some the yeah, and like I didn't really like look up at them beforehand. Yes. Definitely after, <laughs> but oh, like. Yeah beforehand like mindset wise like walking out into that final it was like like still it was like i don't know how to describe it in words but like i've only ever had that feeling probably twice and it's like pure like you're hyper dialed but everything's like still and you're just like your thoughts are like flowing really well but you're not overthinking. You're just like, oh, like, like for example, process. yeah, oh, it's pure process and pure like, Flow. Mm. oh, it was incredible. And that's probably like my last memory beforehand. And like my last thing I remember I thought about the last two things were, I remember right before I stood on the block looking down the end of the pool and seeing like, it was like 20, 30 cameras. 
and then there's like these giant Olympic rings and the podiums behind all the cameras. And I was like, fuck yeah, like how cool is this? Like this is the Olympic final. Like this is all I wanted. This is mm-hmm. the dream right here. And like I get to be a part of it. And like for me, that was already enough of an accomplishment. So mm-hmm. whatever happened after that was like, not a bonus and I don't want to say it's a bonus because like people are like, oh, like you're saying Olympic gold is a bonus, but it's like I am not one of the people that dreamt of winning gold. I was just wanted to be an Olympian. I wanted to represent the country and like I knew that winning gold was like it's so far beyond like what is normal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That like, yeah, it was just like so far-fetched. And like, then to be in that position, you're like, like, what? Holy. And then, yeah, like to touch the wall, I just didn't believe it. I was like, no. Tell me about that final. Tell me how'd you swim that final? What? Obviously, there's probably not much going through your head at all. But yeah, tell tell me how does it feel like jumping off that block? (laughs) Do you lift because it's the Olympic final? Or is it like, I gotta calm myself? It's not like a 50 meter freestyle where it's just like, fucking go as hard as you can you have to play a bit of a game and a bit of strategy how was that swim for you yeah for me it was like making the turn on the last turn and you go i have to swim to the end of that wall and if i'm the fastest i win a gold medal like what's yeah how's that feeling that last 50 like the first 50 i remember my togs filling with water like the suit like so sometimes if you don't pull your yeah you feel like this tiny bit of water you're like fuck and then I was like, all I was thinking was don't panic. Like, <laughs> like that was the last thought. And then after that, for me, like it was all process. Like it was all like length, build, stay in, t- stay in contact with the guy next to me because I knew he would go for it. Mm. And then I, I had no idea apart from him and the other guy next to me yeah. where anyone was. Yeah. And I'm returning at the 100 and being like, oh, like I'm a bit behind, like, but I was like, no, I'm like in the, me. Yeah. I'm in the right place. Like we're in the right zone. And then that last 50, I remember like about 25 to go, like just hearing some of the crowd, like the tiny bit of crowd that was in there, like starting to hear that. And I remember touching the wall and like looking up at the board and then looking at the Aussies and them just going crazy. And I was like, oh my God, like that just happened. Like Man, <laughs> goosebumps just thinking about that. Yeah. Just- it was a like, full like elation like not like no other like it's wild mate that's so so sick like congratulations you're the only aussie male to win a gold medal at the um, tokyo olympics and when you think back to australian swimming and men's australian swimming mate that's a achievement that yeah not many can say they've done so you should be so proud i'm excited for the next kind of chapters of the journey then you went on to win a bronze medal as well in that Olympics. What was that race like? Yeah, so I'd won the gold. You have like press conferences and all that, all that media stuff afterwards. And, you know, I, I think I swam at 10.30 in the morning, quarter to 11 maybe. And I left the pool at 2 p.m. So I was just like, but after I'd swum, I got this like one of the relay, co- the relay coach came up to him and was like, congrats, you're swimming tonight. Oh, was it the same night? Yeah, so the heat was that night. And I was like, oh, cool. No worries. Like, I guess I'll park that I just won. Like, a gold medal. Yeah, yeah. I call every person I know that wants to chat to me and be like, I'll chat to you after the Olympics. Yeah. So then, like, I swam that night. And that was really cool to be a part of. Like, um, we had, like, we had our most successful games in the pool ever. Wow. In Tokyo. Um, 
and we think you think about like Australian swimming history, like mm. it's wow. pretty wild to think about like that, and it's pretty humbling to think about that I was like a part of that. Yeah, and yeah, like and added to the success, bringing yeah. home two medals. Yeah, so Emma, Emma and Kaylee were still racing. Yeah, and the Matt Temple and myself were the two males, and those two females. So it was the first time it had been raced a mixed, uh, mixed gender event at the Olympics. Um, so for, like it'd been raced at world championships before, but this is the first yeah, time yeah. it's been raced at the Olympics and Matt Temple and I were both finished our individual races and we were the only two in marshalling cause Kaylee and Emma were like racing and then racing, like coming straight to the marshalling room. So we are like, Oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like we're just sitting here and we get to race with the greatest Australian Olympian of all time. <laughs> Not quite at that point, but now she is. Yeah. And Kaylee, who's like on her way to be the greatest backstroker, female backstroker ever, like mm. full stop. Um, so like it was really humbling to race with those two girls and like really cool to have a team dynamic mm. and very different. Um, yeah, how good does it feel standing on stage with like a team of Aussies getting mm. a medal and watching the flag get pulled oh, up? So sick. Like it's unbelievable. Like that and like standing on the podium with one of your best mates is like two of the best memories I have from swimming. So what is it? You swam, you swim a hundred meters breaststroke in that one. Yeah. So Kaylee swims hundred back breast fly free. Okay. So Emma's in the free. So because it's mixed gender, each team has their own strategy, Yeah. Okay. which is like kind of been really cool to see. Yeah. Each. Cause it's like, do you put obviously men's times are a little bit faster than women's at the top level so it's like which stroke are you going to pick up the most on yeah exactly and like as a percentage or do you have the depth in that event mm. so for example like our our 100 fly is like our women like emma won the 100 fly yeah so do you put emma in the 100 fly and then put a male 100 freestyler or do you put the female 100 freestyler who's maybe you know three seconds mm, where but, do you pick up the yeah. gap so it's quite interesting in that it's really really yeah. strategic so you know like um ember was racing caleb dressel uh you know probably arguably in the top five greatest american olympians of all time and like so you know like he's chasing her and it's like it's so cool to watch yeah. because the race changes hands so often mm. So what was the final like in that one? How close was it? Uh, the Brits first, second, third. Yeah, we were third. What do you what What do you swim though? Like second, second. Yeah, yeah. So we were the we were one of two countries in the final to swim a female backstroker. So we we're behind from the beginning. <laughs> okay. And then like I'm there to swim, trying to get a bit of ground and swim yeah. over some of the girls doing breaststroke from yeah. other countries. And then Matt's trying to maintain With that the- lead or. Or gain a bit more, Butterfly. and then Emma's trying to hold their run off, yeah. wow. <laughs> which is weird because, like, for example, um, a lot will finish with an explosive male hundred mm, free to try and swim over wrap the top, it out, yeah. and as well, like, some of the strategy comes to do with swimming through wake. So, like, oh. yeah, so like, typically, some of the girls, like, especially through men's wake, is like struggle. Tough, yeah. Like some of those boys put out big, big kicks, and you're like. Man, like I yeah. couldn't swim through that. So, wow, that's wild. So you get a bronze there in that event. Incredible. I want to talk to you about something that I think is amazing, and this is something that I think all athletes will get something from. 
you've got this book here that you said, I really wanted to show you this. And you've got a book where it's basically a journal of your Olympic campaign with different Polaroids and then a journal entry along the whole journey. Why'd you do that? Because I think anyone listening, you already told me why, but anyone listening right now, especially young athletes, this is something that I wish I did too. And that was where the question came for you. What's something that you wish you asked one of your friends who is an Olympian, what do you wish you did? And they told you to do this. So do you want to explain that story and um, what that book means to you? Yeah. So like one of my really close mates, Mark Horton, like he'd obviously won in Rio and I was lucky enough to room with him in Tokyo. And like we'd we'd grown close over the last few years before that. And like like at the time, like he was really good to, you know, just bounce ideas off and like such a great mentor. And like I implore anyone, a younger athlete on on any team or any sport, like ask older athletes, like they've been through like they've you you might not think it, but like all of them have been through the same journey you Mm -hmm. have. And like that would be my first piece of advice, absolutely. Yeah. But like I asked him, he's like, "What do you wish you did more?" And like he said, "I wish I remembered more of like the experience because ultimately, like that's what you like the joy that comes with the Olympics is from that. Mm. It's not necessarily from winning or losing, but like remembering the day to day, the yeah. moments." Yeah, exactly. And like for me, he gave me he he said, "Oh, I wish I remembered more," which sparked this idea to you know, take a photo each day and print it out using like a Polaroid printer or use like some of the professional photographers that we had print their photos out and like each day I'd like print a photo and like journal, mm-hmm. which like helped me a signpost each day. Yeah. And also like now I'm like, as I said to you, like I haven't opened this book in a little while and like I was like, man, like all the emotions come flooding back when mm-hmm. you open it and you're like, it's really just a cool piece for me to have like this history of like, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, one day when I'm old and like have kids or grandkids and be like, you know, this is, this is what I did. Like, this is when I won the gold medal. (laughs) It's so cool, man. Like I got to flick through it and you brought your medals down here for me to have a look at. I think it was the first time I've held an Olympic gold medal. It's pretty (laughs) cool. Um, And then reading through that book is just, oh, it's so cool, man. And I know you'll get to look back at that always and just be like, wow but you've got paris coming up so i mm. want to see the next book are you going to fill in the back of that one or are you going to get a fresh one for paris i think a fresh one for paris would be pretty cool and i think i think part of the thing i would love to do now and it's probably like only sparked it like right now but like i'd love to start it earlier because like for me this only started like when i got to the games mm. or not got to the games but like got to making the team yeah but i think like a lot of the journey or a lot of the layers of layers of paint are along the way and like Mm. you remember more of that probably than the actual week that is the olympics yeah and yeah like for me that's probably more important that part of the journey than anything else yeah wow yeah it's so cool i know any young athlete out there hopefully can listen to that and be like you know what (laughs) take a journal and my dad always told me and i did this one trip to the mentor islands when i was like 10 and I took a little journal and wrote like what waves I surfed on what day. And it's the only thing I've got from a journal. I mean, I've got another little one that I mapped out some of my surf heats. But I still every now and then look back at that little journal from when I was in this boat trip when I was 10 and read mm. all the waves that I surfed. I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I did that for every trip I did yeah. just so I could remember because it's so hard to have those, um, yeah, real clear memories of what you did. But when you have a photo under some words to do it, you can get yourself back into that moment. And yeah. so special. There's so many things I still want to talk to you about. I'm right around an hour. But I want oh, to talk to you right. about Com Games. Yeah. 
world record. <laughs> and um yeah paris what's coming up so let's go to com games now so com games yep. a year after the olympics which yep. normally doesn't happen but it's in birmingham <laughs> two golds silver yeah two, two, two golds gold and a silver. silver talk me about com games what's um yeah what was that experience like com games was an interesting one because we just had like i broke the world record in may okay well let's go to the world record first then. yeah yeah tell me about that because breaking a world rec- like winning an olympic gold medal is one thing but breaking a world record is like, I mean, you'd obviously wouldn't swap it for your gold medal. No. <laughs> but it means you're the fastest to have ever done something that so many people have tried to do. Mm. So, yeah, tell me about um, breaking the world record. I mean, that was really surreal because I wasn't expecting it at all. Like um, the couple of months beforehand hadn't been the best training I'd ever done, but they've still been decent enough. And for me, like mentally, I'd h- had to really overcome the post 2021 like re-identity because it's like you win olympic gold and people say your life changes and it definitely does but you decide whether it changes you as a person and i think like i love the bourdain quote like about the journey should change you like as simple as that like you should be growing you should be changing but people always don't don't really like to think like that no, but does I'll, it change you for the better or the worse no. it's obviously going to change you yeah like it was a unique experience that i'll never or may never have again like hopefully have the same experience again but we'll see um but like you know coming off the back of that mentally like because there's a lot of things around like gold post gold post gold medal depression mm. Yeah, what did you have a plan in place, or did you no. psych work with you at all? To like, yeah, was there any support around that? Yeah, I mean, like, I had a really good tight knit support system yeah. at that point. Like, you know, we had a really tight knit nutrition, uh, sports science, and probably like obviously psych and um, physiology. So, like, we had those people and my coach obviously around me to really guide me through that. And like, believe it or not, it was actually my nutritionist who said to me, she was like you know like you're an olympic gold medalist who cares what you do next like that's it like you are you've peaked at the olympics and like not in a negative way but in a really positive way being like whatever you do now is a bonus Mm. and for me that like completely flipped the switch of being like pressure away yeah it was like oh like i don't have to feel oh i have to keep winning it's Mm. like no like pressure has kind of come off a little bit you've achieved the pinnacle Mm. And then it turns into more of a personal challenge than, uh, yeah, like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. So that led me into the uh, world record record swim. So at our trials before the world champs last uh, 2022, um, we had the trials and I like was swimming well. So I'm a decent heat, like really in control. And then so like stepped up as the final and was like, oh, this is going to be like a six two or six high like two or six mid maybe and i was just swimming really freely and really what openly was the record at this stage two oh six one two i okay. think one five so no one had ever swum 200 meters under breaststroke under 206 yeah and then like the guy next to me matt wilson again like um he absolutely went out for it and I followed him for that first time because I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Like, yeah. I'm probably going to swim the time yeah. regardless. So, let's just go for it. Yeah. And I did. And then, like, the third lap, I was like, oh, I've still got a lot to give and, like, gave it a bit more. And then the last 50, I could hear, like, the whole crowd screaming. I was like, fuck, I must be swimming fast. Like, 
and then touching the wall and it was like 20598 and I just didn't register like what happened and then Matt touched the wall and like looked at me he was like holy shit and I was like what like and he was like look at the time and I was like holy fuck like and he was going like crazier than I was and I was like what just happened and then like like yeah it was a weird experience and then like having to come down off that and then go into world champs was like something that probably really matured me a lot because that's an interesting one because you go to world champs and you get beat and you get second right or did you win that one so this 2022 i won world champs but i didn't swim fast at all probably had COVID at the time (laughs) (laughs) um but i swam like 206 six i think and crazy yeah like 0.6 of a second is oh, i didn't swim that <laughs> yeah 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 so 206 in the semi and then 2070 in the final so i just did what i had to do to win i guess in yeah. that meet but like you know and then coming off the back of that and getting COVID and then into com games like that was a weird experience like going in and looking at the board and like you have the world, world record, record holder, and you're yeah, like wow. like that's cool it does add a weird element of pressure being like, oh, I'm the guy to beat yeah, now. Yeah, but as I said to you before, like I bring, I always bring it, like now I'm bringing it back to that personal challenge and yeah. be like, well, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing yeah. this to explore yeah. A, myself and B, what's to, possible, yeah, yeah. to see what's possible, see where the edge is. And I don't yeah. think I've found the edge. That's why I'm still going. <laughs> yeah. So then you go to Com Games. Yeah. Two golds there. What you won? Gold in the 200 and a medley. Uh, in, in it, sorry, mixed medley really mixed medley, yeah. and then silver in the 100 breasts which Ooh. was probably my favorite which was like hang on, we'll get to, I'll, I'll talk yeah. about the two breasts and we'll get to the 100 um the two breasts was kind of the redemption because i'd done you know the world champ world, world record. champ world record olympic gold com was the one that you hadn't ticked off yeah and like and the redemption four, from yeah. the last, your last con got Yeah, four con years games. earlier, I was like, fuck, like this sucks. Um, so I was probably the most nervous I'd been in a long time before that race because I wanted it so bad. Yeah. I just wanted to win like, and the process kind of becomes a bit of a backseat yeah, yeah. when that mindset kicks in. And I wasn't focused like I should have been and didn't swim as well as I hoped in terms of like uh, speed wise, but still won. Um and like coming off COVID and world champs and everything that had happened, like I was absolutely stoked, stoked yeah. with it. But yeah, like looking back, it wasn't wasn't your the best. best mate, but no, still. not your best mate, but you still won two goals. Yeah, but the hundred is probably like my favorite. Yeah, so, tell me about that. So at the time, like I wasn't really focusing on the hundred breast that, that much. I was still racing it here and there, and you know, qualifying for trials and those kind of things, and qualifying for the team for it, but um i wasn't really focused on it and like one of my best mates sam williamson was also he was in the final as well and he walked out before me i think i was in lane five so second qual into the final and adam Petey, who people may know but he is like like usain bolt of the hundred breast i I guess like you know revolutionized the hundred breast in terms of stroke and stuff and like since 2016 has been the guy to beat yeah Anyway, he'd broken his foot beforehand and been a big comeback story to for him to get there. And anyway, so like we're in the UK, so he's like royalty there. And like I walked out after him, but I remember them calling out Adam Petey and the whole crowd just going like off. And it was like the first time we'd swum in front of like English crowds Mm. again. And yeah, like so it was like 10,000 people screaming his name and then I walk out 
and it's like not as big as reception or anything but like i was like how fucking cool is this like yeah. i'm in a race with like one of my idols and like i just get to enjoy this moment because i had no expectation mm. and then touching the wall second just second behind and, him no nah, behind another brit and then sam williamson was third and that was his like first international meet yeah, and his yeah. first international medal wow um so that was really cool to like stand on the podium with him and be like how fucking cool yeah. it's like we're at the top of the world like together and it was just like a really really cool moment because it was like one where i experienced that like stillness and excitement again yeah and then to share a moment like that with like one oh, of your that's easy, yeah. yeah it was unreal that's amazing Man, what a, what a crazy journey. And that takes us to last year. Actually, I just want to really quickly touch on getting second in the world titles because I think I sent you a message maybe after it. Or we maybe had a bit of a chat after it because that mm. must be hard when you're the man to beat, you're the reigning Olympic champion, the reigning world champion, the world record holder, the reigning Com Games <laughs> champion, and then you go to world champs. Did the guy break the world record to beat yeah. you there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So tell me about that, mate, because yeah. you go into that world chance, were you confident going into that? Or was there the no. guy who, <laughs> no, nah? was there the guy who beat you? Was he like building and getting better and starting to get closer? And was that? Um, going into 2023 world champs, like I definitely not had the best prep. Like I'd had a stress fracture on my rib mm-hmm. like six months before that. I was kind of not still recovering, but like we were cautious to do whatever we were doing. Um, and I probably lost that motivation after that. And going into that, like I knew I wasn't fully cooked, like ready to go. Um, but like I had to park that yeah. and just get the best out of myself. So I was really happy with second, but I yeah. wasn't happy to lose the world record. Like, yeah. So what? How cl- he? He yeah. said he got it by point four of a second or something. Yeah. Like so that, he yeah. he went two oh five four eight, and I'm a two oh five nine. Wow. Yeah. So like significant chunk of time um and he you know like swam a blinder yeah didn't really like come from like he he swam a few 207s but like uh, no one expected him to yeah like so for example like um he'd won the 50 and the 100 and he'd run the 100 in a really wicked time so everyone was like oh he's the beast breaststroker yeah everyone was like oh he's the 150 guy like now like he's the 50 100 guy to beat and we were like all of us 200 guys were like, oh, like Doesn't he'll be in the, the final, tank. but yeah, like yeah. he'll die off. And then we all got to like, like I talked to a few of the guys afterwards and we like all said the same thing. We like got to the 100 and was like, oh yeah, we'll get him now. Like just, just kept going. We're like, wow. fuck, like shit. You just had a meet. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. See, how was that after that event? Like mentally, like you said, you're like, I'm happy because I still competed well considering the injuries that I was carrying through the year and into the event, but yeah, losing the world record, losing the world title and the external expectation maybe from the country, from the team, did that weigh on you much? Was it hard to overcome mentally after? I think like the year before had probably taught me to not feed into those hooks yeah. too much. Yeah. But I guess mentally afterwards, like it was like almost what needed to happen, like as part of that journey. Like mm. I think for me 2023 represented a year of a lot more growth yeah than and mentally mostly like and maturity and understanding my training and understanding what i need to get the best out of myself 
And off the back of that, definitely like we're disappointed. Like, yeah, no one likes to be second best. Yeah, like if you're that close, yeah, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, it's like it's also a nice position to be in to be hunting again, not mm. hunted. Yeah, because I think like there's the old saying of like to be the best in the world, you have to be training like second best. Yeah. And I think I got complacent in training, yeah, like the best in the world, like a bit laissez faire about it. Yeah, and yeah, like for me coming off the back of that, my, it kind of was a wake up call for both my coach and I. Fire you up now for the Olympics this yeah, year, absolutely. And fires me up, but also like changes the way you have to train a little bit because like we've lent on. I was saying to you before when we grab coffee, like I've lent on my back end speed so much, and yeah. like this guy showed, like, oh, like I can fuck with you on the front end and yeah. still come back. Yeah. So, like, how do we change that paradigm a little bit to be competitive on the front and still come back? Yeah. So, I guess, like, for me, that was, like, a new challenge and a new pursuit in that sense. So, like, everything up a bit. It's more, it led to more excitement, Mm. if I'm honest. Like, yeah, to be excited again, to be like, oh, like, he's trying to take it to your place. Like, let's jump on. He's trying to get the first gold medal for himself in the 200 this year in Paris. You're trying to get the world champion status back off him. Yeah. So exciting. So I guess to wrap up, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk to you about because I love that you do other stuff and add into your coffee and everything. Yeah, we can talk about uh, coffee. We didn't, get to, <laughs> uh, we didn't even get to talk about your routine or your training or anything, but we'll have to have you back on maybe yeah. after the gold in Paris. But <laughs> lastly, what's, um, what's, what is the training? What's the schedule looking like now coming into Paris Olympic year? Um, short period, three years in between this time rather than four years what yeah what's the training looking like this year and what's the goals heading into paris yeah training this year is obviously intense i think like last year is more i describe it as like the foundation and this year's yeah yeah, this year's the polish i guess like how do you refine that speed or or channel that fitness into like a specific area and like at the moment we're you know this is week technically week three of the season and like we're already back at 10 sessions and like i'm racing this weekend so it's like (laughs) you know the daily routine looks like you know 5 a.m wake up typically an ice bath straight up into you know we get to the pool at quarter to six six o'clock and then we'll finish up at like swimming wise we'll finish up at 8 39 and then we'll go to the gym or Pilates or physio. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll leave the pool at 10, 10 30. Yeah. And then, you know, we're back at the pool at two 30 till 6 PM um, every day. So apart from Sundays um, and like, everyone's like, do you get up early on Sunday? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. What, yeah. about, um, what about like gym work as well? Is there a gym at your guys pool? So it's kind of like all in the same facility or. Yeah. We're lucky we're QAS supported. So like we're at Sleeman or Chandler them in sports complex so they've just built us like a brand new gym in the last couple of years like a year and a half ago 2022 yeah they opened it so That's it's what happens when you have a swimmer winning gold medals the funding so comes sick. a bit better we used to we train in the best <laughs> successful year ever for the swim team so you guys probably got a good bit of funding after yeah. Tokyo. we had like the shittiest fucking shed beforehand <laughs> like a couple like it used to be the diving swimming gym at chandler and it was like one of those old school concrete slab couple pop-up yeah pop-up shed with two platforms in it and in summer i remember like one session it was like a thursday arvo this shed had been cooking all day and we went in and the coach was like it's too hot to like stand in there we wrapped towels around the bar because they were like burning our necks and then he'd just be like oh you just rest outside between the sets and we're like oh, what training in the sauna <laughs> yeah 
so we're very lucky to have a really nice air conditioned gym now but um you know we're very lucky that we have a really cool facility but gym's been a big part of swimming now yeah um and really something like i've had to progress like you know i've had to change that paradigm a bit because like you know uh, in tokyo for example i was probably 71 kilos Mm -hmm. and now i'm 78 (laughs) wow so you put on some yeah you have to put yeah try and try and put on some mass to increase that i guess yeah power through the water Mm -hmm. um because like that's the way the sport's headed and and something i've had to just shift mate well there's so many more things that we can talk about (laughs) but i'm gonna leave it here because i'm very excited to watch you in paris this year i've got plenty of people to cheer on and you're gonna be very at the top of that list it's been um Really cool getting to know your story, man. Like you said, we've been kind of connecting on socials for a while. You've been um, a great supporter of the Good Human Factory, doing some stuff around gratitude yourself and, yeah, I guess supporting the work that I do, which has been really cool and getting to share with you this morning a bit more about what I do. Hopefully we can, yeah, connect mm. as the future goes ahead. Yeah, obviously a very good human with a great heart and a really um, positive mind. I'm going to get you sorted in a bit of merch as well before we go. But the last question I do finish all of my podcasts with, and you're going to know the question Drop my ring. <laughs> the last question I finished with is what does being a good human mean to Zach Stubletty Cook? I think for me, living by the values, living by your internal values and sticking to those. Like so I think living with integrity for me mm. is part of being a good human. And having I think that encompasses having a standard. Mm. Like for me, it's always give your best. Yeah. And that's something I live by for better or worse. Yeah. But I think it's always been like, and for me, like the value of helping others and kindness is something I, I definitely live by and am willing to stand on that, like regardless. And I think that's something I've been brought up with as well. Like, yeah, but yeah, I think that's what it looks like. Love that, man. Well, beautifully answered. I guess lastly, just where can anyone find you to follow along the journey? Obviously, social media is a good place mm. and yeah last little chance to plug where they can find you yeah definitely just on socials is the easiest way to follow me and hopefully launching something with a bit of coffee soon and i'm sure coffee connoisseur i'll I'll, I'll plug it when you get some send me some down and i'll um get it out to the good human audience because i know i like a good coffee and i'm sure the audience will as well but man thank you so much for jumping on if you've enjoyed today's episode do me a huge favor make sure you chuck it on your instagram story and tag both zach and myself um yeah give us five stars all that good stuff but yeah mate thank you so much for tuning in it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me it's been awesome my guy ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.